You're listening to an app session from the 2019 Art Conference in Anaheim, California. For more resources to equip you and your local church, visit arcchurches.com. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, it's good to, good to see you guys on the 3 o'clock afternoon session of the Art Conference. Come on, you guys are faithful. Mm-hmm. You hung in there. Right. You know what I'm saying? And uh, my name is Matt. It's my wife, Martha. 21 years ago this month, we moved from uh, Virginia to North Carolina to plant C3 Church, originally Cleveland Community Church, and uh, a few years into it, uh, we just decided to call it C3. People call it C3 anyway, so we thought, let's just call it C3, and that's, but it comes from the location of where we are, and uh, we're going to spend some time today talking about uh, making the right staff hires at the right time, all right, and what that looks like. Be thinking about a question even now or throughout our time together, if there's a question that, you, that, you, um, that you're thinking about, because I want to make sure that before we leave today that we kind of hit the bullseye on uh, some of the questions that you might have. So just jot them down or type them up on your uh, phone or iPad, and at the end we'll have a little time for Q&A. Yep. So uh, Martha, do you want to bring a reading or anything? Yeah, hi. We're excited you guys are here. I remember, I mean... You know, we're going to share some things with you, hopefully, that will help. We always say we, did it the, we didn't do it the ARC way. We did it the hard way. And so we love ARC. We love being a part of it. We love helping church planters. And part of just the whole growth process is hiring staff and firing staff and how does all that work in a healthy way and, and how to handle all that. So through the 21 years, we have definitely done And we're still in the midst of it. We just... We uh, sent some staff out for different reasons, and um, so we're, we're in the hiring process again. So we are definitely in, in that. Yeah. We started in 1998 with about 50 people. We met in the, in the elementary school cafeteria. We didn't have a, the ARC, as Martha mentioned, so we were kind of doing it the hard way. Uh, and um, the church began to grow. We were running, I don't know. A uh, few hundred people after a couple of years, and we're in a rural. We were in a rural area outside of um, outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. So we're, we weren't in, like in the city. So twenty years ago, like there was a, a McDonald's at our exit and a gas station, and that was about it. You know, Cracker Barrel. There's a Cracker Barrel. You guys know what Cracker Barrel is? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. Uh, um, when we first started the church, obviously, I wasn't even on staff. <laughs> you know, I was volunteer. <laughs> I didn't get a salary for the first year and uh, raised my support and so forth. And then we, um, we, we launched, and there's a, a, a lady. I think she could tell that I was really having a hard time with some of the administration stuff as the church was growing. And, and she said, hey, uh, would you like, do you need some help in the office? You know, By that time, we had a little office space. And I said, uh, actually, we do. And she said, well, I'd like to help you. I said, well, I don't have any money. And she said, I'll just volunteer. And she kind of, she was in between jobs and, and so forth. So she started off as a volunteer, and then eventually uh, we started paying her. And uh, she's been on staff now for t- 20 years, almost 20 years. So uh, still on staff, praise God. Right? <laughs> the first person we hired is still on staff. We've lost a few along the way, but she's, she's, she, she's hung in there. So uh, that's kind of our journey. So here we are. We're on a 47-acre tobacco farm, an old tobacco farm, uh, in, uh, outside of Raleigh, about 20 miles southeast of Raleigh. And um, we have a God's blessed us with a beautiful facility. And a, we have a Starbucks coffee shop in our church. And it's just, um, it's, we call it the miracle on a tobacco field. Because we're not in a wealthy area, we're more of a blue-collar type community. And so we've really had to roll up our sleeves, and we rely heavily upon our dream team. We have always been understaffed, which I don't think is a bad thing. Because I can remind you of Ephesians 4, which is that God calls pastors and leaders to equip the body to do the works of the ministry, right? And I've been in an environment before where it was heavily uh, paid staff, to where the church got lazy because if you need to help, you just hired people to do it. And I don't think that's I don't think that's biblical. You need to have staff, but the staff that you hire need to be team builders, right? You need to understand that you're not hired to do the job, you're hired to build teams and equip others to do the job, right? So um, <clears throat> Sam Chan, how many of you guys are familiar with Sam Chan? Anybody here? He's kind of a leadership genius. 
he, he, he gives, here's his advice in terms of hiring and firing. He says, hire slow, fire fast. <laughs> hire slow, fire fast. Um, early on, uh, not early on, what was it, Martha, maybe like 10 years ago that um, there was a, a situation where we had a staff member that um, just kind of went sideways and uh, and so the staff member who who was his supervisor, and he, he kind of got a little fired up. He's like, well, I'm just going to call him right now and let him go. And uh, probably not the best way to do it. So he, he the guy's name is Jason, so he called him up and said, Jason, I need you to clean out your office, and, uh, you know, you're done. And he's like, what? You know, the guy was like, I don't understand. He said, well, you, you just dropped the ball and this and that, and so I need you to... You know, just go ahead and clean out your office. And, uh, you know, you're no longer on staff. And he's like, I don't even have an office. He was one of our contracted staff members who worked on our computers. <laughs> he called the wrong Jason. <laughs> he called our IT guy <laughs> rather than the person he was trying to call. So make sure you fire the right people. That's very important. Ironically, that Jason still works with us. And that he was does. like 10 years ago. All right, uh, let me read the verse Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Here's a few questions that you might be, you might be thinking. Um, Here's a, here's a question. Is the answer to your needs already in the house? So if you think about hiring staff, look inside first. Is there, is, perhaps the need that you have is right in front of you. I heard somebody say that everybody wants to hire the perfect staff member, the perfect executive pastor, the perfect student pastor, kids pastor. But they could be sitting on the second row of your church right now. But it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to build, in, build, build them up, invest in them, and so forth. But the answer could be in your house. Another question is, should we hire in-house or go outside? Well, Martha, you want to tackle that question? So should we handle, hire people inside the church or outside? And when? how do you know what, what to do? When? So we've done both. I think it kind of depends a little bit. Um, Usually if you're hiring from within, you've got to, you're going to spend some time training them, raising them up, getting them used to church culture. So do you have that bandwidth to do that? Do you have the finances to send them, you know, to, to wherever it is maybe to get trained or something? But then if you're needing, like, if you're needing expertise help, like, that you can't train, you know, um, uh, you know, like maybe it's a sound, uh, somebody over production. Well, you can't really train that if you don't have somebody in your house to do it. So you may have to go outside because you need their expertise skill set. Now, once you hire a production guy, that can, I mean, that's part of our production guy's this job description is to train people. And we had somebody, we raised up some people, we trained them, and we were like, and, and then other churches hired them. So um, <laughs> they're like, okay, you know I mean? Yeah. So we were doing a great job of, um, you know, kind of the, the staff member training up. And um, so, but, so it just kind of depends on what your needs are. You know, we, um, w- one of the positions that we're actually looking for is somebody to oversee creative arts. And the thing we're, we're, wrestling with is do we want do we have somebody in-house do we not if you hire within they've already got the culture if you hire from without you've got to find somebody humble enough that's willing to get the culture I mean all those so when we interview those positions there's I mean it won't be a fast interview we will hire slow and have lots of conversations and bring them in a couple of times and because you know somebody overseeing creative arts and they're on that position of your staff, they're, they affect the culture in a huge way, you know? And so, so it's really just, what are you looking, you know, you've really got to, what are we looking for? What can we outsource training and what really has, they have to already come train. Does that make sense? So any questions on that or did that kind of, yeah. I have a 
question is you're, you mentioned like what you're looking for. Sometimes as a new church planner, we're a year old, and there's oftentimes I'm like, I don't even know what to ask. I don't even know what I'm looking for. Say, for example, someone like with financial background. Mm-hmm. So I've never done balance sheets or PLs, things like that. So how would you address that? Would you just call a friend? That's ahead of you. Like, how would you address that when you're like, you need to have clear expectations, but I don't even know what I need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think either I, I wouldn't call another pastor because he probably doesn't know either. I would call, <laughs> I would call the financial guy at another church and say, hey, what what should I be looking for? And or now I will say. At C3, we've always found a business guy in-house. And actually, Nate and Cindy are over here on the front row, and he oversees our... Talk to Nate, okay? He's right there in front of you. Just, hey, can I talk to you afterwards? But he was a business owner, and the guy before him who retired um, were both business owners that were in in C3, and we started them off as a dream teamer and just brought them into meetings and relied on them, you know, and... um, and then eventually we're like, you could do this full time. Why don't you come on staff? You know, so but but I would I would, if you're not for sure what to ask. And then even like we've even got people and have done this like. So one of the positions we're looking for is a production guy. So we have an, uh, Paul, it's Paul or anyway, we have a guy that's outside who runs a production company and he loves he's a Christian, but he's he's like in the world big time. So he's not impressed with our soundboard. You know what I mean? Like, where there are guys you could bring that would be impressed with our soundboard. So he's helping us ask the right questions and stuff, you know? So we're, he, he doesn't carry the whole interview, but he is part of the interview process. So that is, absolutely do that. There are some temporary things that you can do until you find that staff person. Oh, yeah. There's some outsourcing. You can outsource bookkeeping and so forth. Don't be afraid to do that. We actually still do that. We outsource our bookkeeping, right, Nate? Because we don't want, when it comes to finances, we don't want everything in-house. You know, we want somebody outside of C3 that has a say, you know, that can vouch for, no, the finances are in order. There are three things that you need, the church needs to be, that is, actually is, and which results in three things that the senior pastor needs to be able to do or his core team. The three things are the church is a community, the church is a cause, and the church is a corporation. It's a community, it's a cause, and it's a corporation. As a community, the senior pastor uh, must be a father. There's times where you have to put your father hat on and wrap your arms around a staff member or dream team or leader and say, you know, I'm really sorry that you're going through this, I'm praying for you, and put that father hat on showing some compassion and grace. There's times where you need to put your, as a, as a uh, cause, the senior pastor must be a general. Knowing it's all hands on deck, um, you can ask questions later. I'll answer questions later, but right now I just need you to do what I need you to do. It's Sunday morning, service starts in five minutes. In other words, you're in battle, bullets are flying, you need to duck because a bullet's about to hit your head. Trust me. We'll talk about it on Monday. Why had you duck? But right now I need to do this. That makes sense? So there's t- you can't play that card all the time, but you need to know when it is like so important that like I'm putting my general hat on. And it's all about a cause. It's like we're, we're trying to fulfill the Great Commission. People are lost. They're going to hell. We're on mission, right? We're trying to win this community to Christ. you got the general hat on. And then the third is a corporation. And the pastor must be a CEO. Uh, there is a corporate side to the church. That's not something they really teach you in seminary. You know, I wish they did. But um, so you have to you have to handle you can do those other two things well. But if you don't do the corporate side of the church, well, it's not going to last very long. Mm-hmm. You could get in big trouble. So years ago, the founder of the Ark, who's in heaven now, Billy Hornsby, came to our church and did an assessment. And uh, he interviewed the staff and talked to me. And he said, Matt, he said, the feedback is that you are a really good general. <laughs> Second of all, you're a pretty good father. Your weakness is a, is a CEO. That's your weakness. Um, so we've got to address that. It wasn't long after that that one of the guys in our church stepped up, former CEO of a Fortune 500 company, and said, 
hey, I think I can help you. There's no way we could afford to pay him what he got paid. There's no way. But he basically worked for, you know, a fraction and came alongside and helped me. And at that time, the church was running about, what, 700 people or something like that, 600 people. And the church overnight kind of grew like more than doubled in size. And the only thing I could attribute it to was that he took care of the corporate side of the church and I didn't have to worry about that. I didn't have to stress over it. So um, it's important to understand what your strengths and weaknesses are. There are some guys that are a really good CEO. I mean, they get the corporate side. Chris Hodges at Church of the Islands is a really good CEO. Mm -hmm. If he wasn't a senior pastor, he would be an amazing CEO of a company. And not a lot of guys are wired that way. Um, So... um, It'd be awesome if a pastor is, but it's, you know, you're going to have a weakness. You're not going to be strong in all three, but you're going to need to find people in that core mm-hmm. that can, that can um, be strong where you're weak. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I can keep rolling mm-hmm. or I can ask, answer questions. Well, and I'll say that you also kind of need to know your personality because um, Matt's personality is, so like let's, this, we have done this at art conferences, especially back in the day. Where Matt would meet with somebody, feel like this super fun connection, hit it off. Well, not yet. You're just meeting them. And, um, you know, oh, how many? Anyway. And uh, so he'd be, like, ready to hire you. And, like, maybe you're, like, you, hey, we need a youth pastor. And you would be great at that. He would speak vision into your life. And so we would hire you. And now on the training side, Matt didn't really like to do the hands-on training. So we would hire you and then let you do your job. And then if you didn't know how to do your job, Matt was like, you're, now you're frustrating me because you don't know how to do your job. And, and so, so Matt, like he's way down the line, you know, before we enter, like he talks to them way down the line. And we all, even Dave, we're all over here. We're like, no, 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 no. You know, we're not, because he'll just, he'll like you and he'll want you to come do life with us, but you may not be ready or qualified. But then when we bring you on, you kind of feel like you got run over. Does that make sense? So as a, you've got to know your personality. So we have a team and we have a process and um, Nate can give you the process. But like, before we even interview you, you, you have to take a personality test. You've got to send us a video so we can see how you communicate. I mean, we have this whole kind of list of stuff that you need to send us for us to see if we're going to go, you know. To, and then we do Zoom calls with different staff members and everything. And the, and you think, like, we've been doing this for years. Mm-hmm. And the other day, a friend of Matt's called me and said, Dude, I've got this worship pastor. You have got, you've got to bring him in. And no joke, the conversation just ended up between the two of them, and Matt was about ready to hire him. And we're all like, whoa, 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 where's the video? Where's this? Where's that? So the process helped us slow everything down. And even Matt was like, wait, 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 this isn't our process. Like, I'm on the front lines again. How did I get here? You know what I mean? So your processes, especially if that's you as a pastor or leader, will help slow everything down and be like, whoa, 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 no, we've gotten things out of order and kind of get them back in order. You know what I mean? So know your strength and your weaknesses. Matt's strength is he loves people and he wants everybody on the team. And I, But his weakness is I want you to come on the team and do your job. I don't want to do your job for you. You know? I mean, that's a strength if you're on the team. But if you don't know what to do when you get on the team, then it's a weakness. So does that make you know make sense? So and And we'd be happy. I can... If you emailed me, I'd, I would send you to Nate and Anissa. So, but Nate, we'd be happy to send you those processes and kind of the the system we use to interview people and all that kind of stuff. So what she's referencing is there's four things that you look for when you're hiring staff or even key volunteers uh, as a leader is uh, character. You need to look for character. I, I, you could argue that's the most important one because if you don't... You can have all the talent, all the ability, everything else, but if you don't have character, you're gonna, it's going to crumble. Character, number one. Number two is competency. They have to be able to do the job. They may not be a 10 on a scale of 1 to 10, but they need to be 
They need to have the gifts. You know, you, you don't want to hire a worship leader that can't sing, right? You don't, any sense. You don't want to hire a youth pastor that doesn't like kids. You, just, you know, they have to have some competency. Number three is chemistry. Is there a chemistry there? Is that, hey, it's, you know, it's, it's not awkward, but there's a, you know, the personalities don't clash. It's just kind of a, we enjoy being with each other. And then fourthly is culture. Do they fit our culture? They may have everything, you know, incredible, but their their culture, they're just more wired towards a different, you know, different style of church or different vibe. Um, in the early years when the church was younger, which Martha was referring to, and I would, you know, I didn't know how to hire staff, you know. I just kind of modeled, I just hired staff the way I saw my former pastors when I was a youth pastor, hire staff, you know, they just, and, uh, and so we had a, um, it's kind of a funny, it's funny now, but it wasn't funny back then. <laughs> we had a, a guest youth speaker come in and, and do high school assemblies and spoke for our youth group and did a big rally. He was an old, he was a, a MTV star, right? Uh, he was on one of those uh, MTV shows, Road Rules or Real World or something like that, you know. And he was a Christian and, and he would travel around and speak at youth groups and stuff like that and go into high school assemblies and talk about drug awareness or abstinence and so forth. And um, so he came in and, and um, I just spent two or three days with him. We rode around and I went to the different schools with him. And man, we just hit it off, man. We just had an absolute blast all weekend. Towards the end of the weekend, I said, have you ever thought about being a youth pastor? Because we didn't have a youth pastor at the time. I said, have you ever thought about being a youth pastor? I said, I think you'd be a really good youth pastor. He said, I've never really thought about it, but I said, I think you'd be a great youth pastor. Make a long story short, we ended up hiring him to be our youth pastor. <laughs> he had no experience, but we had chemistry. We hired him on staff. And he, and he had charisma. So the youth ministry took off. And actually, he was riding the wave pretty strong just with charisma. But he didn't have the competency. He didn't have all the other stuff. And uh, we ended up having to let him go eventually, unfortunately. Um, there wasn't a training part of it. There had been the training component. Component might have been a different situation. Um, he ended up being a campus pastor for Craig Rochelle later on. So, I, and he uh, contributes us helping him. So I guess we unofficially trained him. And, and uh, Craig Rochelle benefited from ours. He said, I learned everything I know about ministry from you guys. I'm like, cool. I wish we could have kept you. But, um, but that's Mar- what Martha's talking about. You know, some of the the dangers of putting too much weight on chemistry. And if you're like me, it's like, hey, if I get along, we get along. Like, I'll, we're having so much fun together, which is important. Then let's, let's, why don't you come on staff and we'll have more fun. But the problem is if they can't do the job, the chemistry goes out the window. <laughs> you, you can't have chemistry with somebody who's not getting the job done, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, it's no fun anymore because you're slacking off or you're dropping the ball or you can't do it. So, all right. Martha, you want to say something? Oh, what's the what's the next point? <laughs> I, I can yes. Question right here. Yeah, um, it's great of chemistry because I made that mistake. <laughs> right, um, it's easy to do. Yeah, the training process though. Um, what have you guys put in place for that? For the, the training process because I'm just saying, you know, you hire somebody, they got the character, they have all these, but um, they need to be trained. Right. Know? So one of the our, the lady who oversees our connect group, she just kind of stepped into that. She was the admin for it and really just kind of blossomed. And then the person who was over our connect group, small groups, moved to a different position. So um, so she kind of had the gist of it, but her systems were a little off and stuff. So um, we get everybody connected to grow. And um, the GROW trainings and GROW, which is what is Chris Hodges, Church of the Highlands. So they have lots of online trainings for all that. And then we have all of our staff know three people of churches that are in their area. So hers would be small groups that are in churches larger than ours. So she, one, one of them is the guy at Highlands, and then there's a church in Virginia that's connected with ARC and GROW that she connects. So she has three churches that she's talking to them about their systems and what works and stuff like that. So 
for us, for some of the positions, we have to, you know, we use what's out there. We also have, we're um, a campus, off-site campus for Southeastern University in Florida. So that has become one of our new training grounds is the college and, and then the ministry aspect side of it and stuff. So, so uh, some things like that, you know. I know the training, you know, when you, you hire uh, an excellent person, you know, they can, you know, you set those expectations up, but, you know, have those three people in your mind. Yes. And maybe even some peers and some people to help them with. Um, but the process that you use to, to follow up with that, because, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'll say the same thing, like, okay, go ahead and do that, make sure that you have those people in your life, but then, you know, I don't, I don't have the process in place to make sure, hey, how's that going, or, you know, to make that phone call or right. connection, you know. The people that have that discipline, it's great, right. you know, but, yeah. Well, depending on the, the, the size of your staff and so forth, it needs to be, their supervisor should be meeting with them one-on-one, on a consistent basis, whether that's once a month or once a week or whatever. And, and when you sit down one-on-one, you're like, so tell me how are things going? There'd be a series of updates. What, how, how are you doing with your, with your goals? And then have you gotten any feedback from, uh, you know, the people that you're, you're seeking advice from? Uh, and, and you always have to remember when they come to you with a, a challenge and they're like, I don't know what to do here or whatever. Um, then throw it back on them. Well, have you have you talked to the the three people you know that that you that you look to for advice? Oh, I haven't done that. Well, maybe start there and then come back, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about it. So if they bring you problems and say, well, once you talk to them, come back to me with a solution or at least some options. And trying to train your staff, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions, is a big deal because I used to feel like I had to have all the answers. You know, and almost like, hey, come to me, I'm the senior pastor, you know, and you know, I have all the answers. And I felt this pressure, like I had to have an answer. And God's like, you don't, you don't have to have the answer, mm-hmm. you know. And you don't have to make up an answer either. But just say, what do you think? I throw it back on that, so what do you think? Because I guarantee you, if they're dealing with a problem, they've been thinking about it a lot more than I have. And they're closer to the problem. So if you can empower them and say, well, you're closer to the problem. You probably already know what to do. So I'll be like, so what do you think, what do you think we should do? Well, I think we should probably ask this person to take care of this responsibility. And we should probably quit doing this. And, okay, go do that. Oh, really? I can do that? Yeah, just go for it. Give it a go. See how it goes. If it doesn't work, then we'll talk about it. And a lot of times it's the very thing that I'm thinking in my head of what I think they should probably do. But now they think it's their idea and they're going to have ownership of it. And they're going to think like, well, I have to go to the senior pastor or my supervisor to make sure a lot of times out of fear, I don't want to do something wrong. So tell me what the bullseye is. So you tell me what you think I should do because I don't want to get in trouble. Right. Rather than saying, no, you tell me what you think we should do. And then, and if it doesn't work, then we'll evaluate and we'll, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yes. Question right here. I'm pretty sure it's contextual to church by church, but I'm curious, are there certain positions that people across the board need to be higher positions versus dream team or volunteer positions? Well, let me give you seven key leadership roles if you're going to plant a church. Whether it's, most church planters can't hire staff, right? So that's not an option. But uh, here are seven key leadership roles. Guest services coordinator. Assign somebody who can help you with guest services. Volunteer coordination. Or you might want to call them dream team. We call them dream team. Right. Number three, uh, an outreach coordinator. Somebody's helping with like you're overseeing like service projects and that kind of stuff. Number four, uh, assimilation and groups coordinator. So somebody's helping with all the Small groups, assimilation, all that kind of stuff. So, so some language like that the ARC would you be like a growth track and your connect groups or your small groups. Right, right. Exactly. And then a children's coordinator. Worship coordinator. And a finance coordinator. Now, you notice student ministry isn't on there. 
we're talking about church plant, like day one. What do you have to have, the seven key rules you have to have to plant the church? So it's not to take away, I'm a former youth, youth pastor, so I'm not trying to take away from student ministry. And there might be some other areas that you see, well, what about this? Well, these are seven critical areas that you have to have to launch the church. So if those are seven areas and you're an existing church, you might want to go, okay, do I have a dream team leader and or a staff member that's over those areas? If not, you need to identify does that help any? Can you say this one more time? Yeah. Guest services. <clears throat> Volunteer coordinator or dream team. Outreach coordinator. Assimilation slash groups coordinator. Eventually you want to separate those. Children's coordinator. Worship, and then finance. Can I just clarify mm-hmm. the difference between guest services and the dream team leader and then the assimilation groups? Which, what do you mean? Get, yeah, guest services would be some of that would help with your greeting team, your ushers, your parking team, all those first impression teams, right? They'd be there at the, at the, uh, the we have what we call a new here uh, deal where like there's a little booth set up and you walk in it's like if you're new here yeah. then you get a free gift and yeah. there's some conversations and so forth so it'd be all that guest services that makes sense yeah. and assimilation would be growth track small groups so in a perfect world they come in you know they get get plugged you know they kind of attend a service they, they, they get involved in the your growth track, they go through the growth track. We do we have three steps, we call it next steps, one, two, three. Every every Sunday at eleven o'clock during our eleven o'clock service, we have next steps. And then from there we onboard you onto the dream team and then and, 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 and the connect group and then you go through the pipeline hopefully you're you know, if you continue then you'll be a leader one day. And and just to help, these are, and you can combine them, but these are kind of dream team positions, like when you start a church and can't hire. So we kind of split them out a little bit because if you start combining too many of them, now people are like, I don't have time. Can you bring me on staff? So we kind of split them up a little bit. Like that's not too much for somebody to be in charge of the you know, parking team, door greeters, ushers, kind of that. We used to call them, you know, first touch. What are some other names? First impressions. First impressions teams, you know. And then, but then for somebody, so that they're just hands-on making sure everything's set up and is going to run. But then you've got somebody else, another dream teamer who's focused on, um, oh, so we've got new people here. What are we going to do with them? You know what I mean? We They're running the the growth track. You know, this is week one. We're all set up. We're ready to go. You know, so the if you split them out like that, it's your you can have dream teamers oversee them and own them, but it not be too much. Now, if you go to hire, you may just be okay. You're going to be over. You know, these four teams. You know, you can start lumping some stuff together. You know, and some things like that. You know, because in in like youth ministry, just put them in in your connect groups, right. your small groups. Just have some great like. A seventh grade connect group, an eighth grade connect, you know, you or however or middle school. I mean, you're not, you know, so so if you're like, oh, we don't have a student ministry, absolutely, you can have a student ministry. You're just going to do it more in your connect groups, but your kids ministry is what's going to grow the church. Yeah. That grows the church. I mean, across the board, everybody's like, you got to have a kick in kids ministry because that grows the church. So each one of these roles, um, they would um, possibly go to your grow training. Absolutely. You know. And again, we're referring to a church plant. So you're going to go start a church. How many of you guys have already planted a church? How many of you are, are any of you just into it? Like you're you're one, right? Anybody in that one year just started? Any anybody hasn't started yet? You're planning on starting? Okay, awesome. So definitely, this is important. But even if you started, it might be like, oh, I haven't really. Uh, address these different areas there's no worries but just you might be thinking about who are some people that could be a a and the other thing is 
You don't want to lump too many together with dream teamers because you want people having ownership as dream teamers right. and building teams. So because the more people are invested, the more planted they're going to be. Yeah. You know, so if you're like, okay, I mean, take all these and give them, you know, give ministry out to as many people as possible. You know, but yeah, the growth track of grow or the the online with grow. There's grow. Um, um, like little, you know, trainings, live trainings, you know, kind of like ARC meetups, except they're grow. And then they have um, online, and then they have a conference. And um, I would take, you know, take your dream teamers, you know, be like, hey, we'll pay for your registration fee if you'll cover your meals and room. Like, we take our dream teamers to different conferences, and they pay their way. You know, they're excited. They're like, yeah, I want to go to a church conference. And yet they, they have the resources and they're excited to do it. You know, it took us a long time to ask because we were like, oh, we, we need to pay for everything, but we really can't afford it. And we had people like, I'll go. I'll pay my own way and go. They just mm-hmm. want to go and be a part of it. They love the church and they love what's going on and stuff. Yeah. So, And then another great free resource is just find a church farther down the road and send your person there to go spend a day with them. <laughs> You know. That's By the way, we just cheap. we just refined our. I mean, here recently refined our onboarding process when you when you hire staff and kind of what does that look like? And I think it's. Um, I'm pretty excited about this our new onboarding process. And if you can, I give them your email address and you can send it to them. It's Nate N A T E at C three Church dot com. N A T E at C three Church dot com. But even things like uh, onboarding, assigning them, not their supervisor, but somebody in your church, somebody on your team, that they can call and ask questions like, hey, where do I go to get, you know, my haircut? Where do I, you know, where's a good place to get this? You know, especially if they're not from the area and you're trying to onboard them. Sometimes they just need to feel, or, hey, here's somebody you can call if you just want to hang or ask questions about the church or whatever. So, you know, just things like that that we don't really think of if we're in the grind and we're like, we've been there for a while. And But um, helping them on board so it's not like, to, hey, here's your office, good luck. You know, but like, you know, making them feel a part of the family and, and wrapping our arms around them and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I have a question, Pastor Matt and Martha. So you said to, to like, you're, there's certain things you're looking for. How do you interview for character? And how do you interview for... Because I agree, like team building to me is more important than competency. Like I, just, I don't want someone that's going to go into their corner and silo off and build some awesome network. I really want people that can build teams. But how do you interview for that? Yeah. Well, Reference. rely heavily upon references. The biggest mistakes we made in hiring was we didn't check references. And I wouldn't just check the references that they give you. I would start there, and then when you when you call those references. Ask that person, is there somebody else that you'd recommend that I talk to? And ask the reference to refer a reference. And you can find a lot about their character through that. that and always, that, always ask the question. I, every state has its own laws, you know, what you can and cannot say. But always ask the question, would you rehire this person if you could? Yeah, great question. Because they not, may not be able to tell you everything like, you know, they're trying to protect and you know be careful not to throw the person under the bus and they might be like we want somebody to hire him because i want them to leave (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to mess this up you know (laughs) he's trying to get rid of them (laughs) so yeah would would you rehire them that's a powerful question yeah like you have to watch that we put a lot of team a lot and so if if i put your you know you may not have a lot of staff, but who's who is in place of your staff? Like get them, like we send our staff to dinner with them without Matt and I. Oh yeah. And watch everything. You know how do they wait? How do they handle the receptionist? How do they? Or I mean, you just have to watch everything. I have a friend who's in corporate now. I mean, she's like big time, and um, when she hires. You know, she uh, watches, do they salt their food before they taste it? Because if you salt something before you taste it, then you just assume things. 
I'm like, you're not going to hire somebody because they will salt their food. She's like, I'm just aware. And just like, oh my goodness, you know. So now I start to observe, do they salt? Then I'm like, I salt my food before I taste it. I just like salt, you know. So when I eat with her, no joke, when I eat with her, I'll, I love her dearly. When I eat with her, I always like make sure I taste my food and then I salt it, you know. That's funny. <laughs> It's Laurieann. She's like, I, yeah, I mean, she has hired people. So, oh yeah, yes. we have a question over here as well. well it's and then the a comment. Um, we actually check their social media too. Oh yes, I definitely do that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that how legal that is. Can you do that legally? It's, it's, it's yeah, yeah, I guess it's okay. How did your like hiring process change based on like your current number of staff? So like seeing that like. You now probably have supervisors over different departments that you're hiring, but when you had a smaller staff, how, how was that process? So probably the biggest change is that we're just, like, when we were smaller, we were just sloppy. Like, that we were just like, hey, I think I would like working with you, you know? And so I would just say, even as we've grown, even now with departments, they have, they have freedom, like, we're not going to tell Nate who he can and can't hire. Everybody has to go through the same process, and we will meet them, and we do have a say, but at the end of the day, Nate has to work with them. So we're not going to be like, yeah, you know, sorry, we don't like her, but we're not going to work with her, but you are. You know what I mean? So we give staff freedom in that, but yet everybody has to go through the same process, you know, of... Uh, the all the interviews, like they're soup, they meet with other people besides who the, who they will be answering to, and and all that kind of stuff. So, we've just grown in that we've just gotten better. At, you know, checking ref like used to, we we would be like, ah, oh, we forgot to check references. Well, we were already in love with them, and right. then probably probably there were a couple we already made, already gave them an offer. And then we were like, we forgot to check references, you don't, know. Don't do that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, don't <laughs> check references on the front end, you know. So we just we interviewed a guy, and he was like, I can't give you references until I talk with my boss, you know, like those kind. Of, he gave us some other references, and we're like, well, we can't bring you in until we. I mean, we're not going to bring you in until we have a. We talk with your references, so you got to at least have some kind of conversation, or we won't bring you in. Um, I would. Practically, I would have a personnel team, no matter what size you are. Put a personnel te- team together. Then they'd be big, three or four people. Yeah. And let them do some of the vetting and checking the references. And people that you trust, right? But I would have a team. And I have to remove myself a little bit from it. I was a little old school in the beginning. That's all I knew. That's what I, was, that's what I saw. It was like, hey, the senior pastor, you know, he hires and fires. You know? And so I was kind of a somewhat of a one-man kind of show, right? And that's not healthy. It's not wise. Uh, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. So have other people looking at it. And now I try to, as Martha said, now I try to be as far away from it as possible, you know? Now, the closer they are to me, if I'm hiring somebody that's going to be in the executive team, I'm going to be much more involved in that process. You know, I may not be in the front lines, but I'm going to be pretty close, um, but if it's somebody that's under on Nate's team or on Martha's team, um, on somebody else's team, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna let them, you know, they need to work with them. They have to work with them, so they need to find. I may not have chemistry with them, but it doesn't matter. They just need to have chemistry, right? Mm-hmm. I, I may have some questions here or there, but if they feel like hey, this person can do the job, then they're the ones that has to work with them. So I trust them at the mm-hmm. end of the day. And also, you know, a couple of spiritual principles is the Bible talks about unity and agreement. So mm-hmm. if somebody on your team is like, I just don't feel good about this, then you need to say, okay, let's pray. And either the Holy Spirit's going to change their heart or he's going to change your heart. But like, we're not moving until, I mean, he may use, the Holy Spirit may use disunity to help you not move forward, you know? And, um, and then the other thing is, you know, we have gifts in the body of Christ for a reason. So if you know somebody with a spirit of discernment, get them around them. You know what I mean? Like there's a couple people in our church who have strong spirits of discernment. And even if I'm working with just a volunteer, you know, like thinking about bringing them on or whatever is their motive, right? I just 
get them around, you know, I just get them around the person, you know, and, um, and it, usually they're pretty spot on, you know, so, you know, they're, the Bible does have things to say about that, you know, and just don't get enamored, like, one person we just got enamored with, and they were going to come and be the Savior, they're going to be amazing and awesome and save us from, I don't know, whatever we needed saving from, you know. I think we, we just, and so, but the problem was they did have all the competency in the world. They just could never get the, um, the culture. culture. And so like, like Sam Chen says, you know, there's a great person out there who probably doesn't have a lot of great things to say about C3. And it's not because of us or anything. It's just they couldn't get our culture. And they really didn't want to. And we didn't ask those. You know, we just didn't catch that. They kind of were like, no, this is my five-year plan. I want to be, you know, we just missed some. We missed some things because we were enamored with their gifting and what they could bring to the table. Yeah, for sure. You know, so appreciate their gifting, but you better ask a lot of questions around that gifting. Don't fall in love with a resume. You know, don't fall in love with... In other words, don't fall in love with like this person's been the, you know, CEO for this major Christian ministry, and they've been this and that. They've been ten years on staff with the biggest church that you admire, right? Don't fall in love with the resume. That's the mistake I think we've made in the past, mm-hmm. and so sometimes we put too much emphasis on competency because they have the the ability, but they're not going to fit your culture. That's why, if you can at all, look in house first. It's like Tommy Barnett, who we honored last night, you know, 25 years, him and Matthew with the Dream Center. Um, he the says miracles the, the miracles in your house. Mm-hmm. Classic sermon. You can Google it. You know, it's on the, if you haven't listened to it, uh, let, I like to listen to it every year or two. But the miracles in the house, like your, the answer to your, your needs is right in front of you. It's like I heard um, uh Somebody preaching one time, at, actually at an art conference, and he said, "Everybody wants to to hire a, you know the the classic, the amazing executive pastor. Well, his name is Bob, and he's right there in front of you. You know, you got to develop Bob. You know, he's right there. He's already in your church. This super executive pastor, whatever that you want. He's right there, but you have to identify him and invest in him and build him up. Uh, so nothing wrong with hiring outside, but." Obviously, if you can hire them from within, they come up through your church and they have the the staff, the strongest staff that we have right now, they've come from within. And they're in it for life. You know, it doesn't always work forever and ever. And here's the thing. Somebody said, even at this conference, and I heard it recently, God gives you cinder blocks and he gives you scaffolding. Some people come for a season. Some people come for a reason. They're not going to stay with you forever and ever. Don't take it personal. There's a big picture going on there. But some are cinder blocks. Like Nate, Nate and Cindy, they're cinder blocks. You know, we've been in the church for 14 years. Left the marketplace to come and serve on staff. Anissa, who Martha referenced earlier, came to our church, got saved. All of her, her whole family got saved at our church. I mean, they're, they're cinder blocks. you got to have cinder blocks. But then some are scaffolding. They come for a while and they help you get to the next level. And they may move on. And sometimes it gets a little awkward in the transition, you know, leaving and stuff, but that's just human, you know? It's just people, sometimes they have to find something wrong to help them deal with the emotions of leaving. It makes them feel better, so. Ellie Dodgers. And in terms of the ready to make that full-time hire, we'll, we'll hire part-time and then turn people into full-time. Right. Um, we try to be as competitive as possible um, market-wise. Um, not just cost of living and so on. There's different mentalities to that as well in churches, um, where obviously sometimes you get away with paying less because they love the church and or whatever, or the resources are less. For instance, um, is there a philosophy that you guys tend to lean towards, or say it's an IT guy, or if it's like myself, an operations guy that's leaving corporate America. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, I'm not there for the money, but when it's something comparable, it's not that big of a gap. Right, but, yeah. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, we debt. Yes. Does Nate want to answer that? I know, like, Nate, do you want to answer that? <laughs> We're up here trying to pretend like we know all the answers. <laughs> we, we stay pretty abreast of what churches are doing. Uh, position, there's different kinds of resources that are leading that 
um, has a lot of good information. Um, lead, maybe, lead net. That hit. I don't. I just want to make sure they caught that. You can Google it. You'll find that there. Lead net. Um, you can do. You can just Google church salary comparisons, and you'll get three or four pretty solid national. They'll want you to participate. Uh, give them some information. But, um, but you need to, we need. We try to pay. We try to. We want to be competitive because people have to take care of their families. Um, I, I, I think in our experience. We're better off paying a competitive salary and getting a qualified candidate who can build a dream team who does not, dream team doesn't cost, actually dream team builds budget. You know, if you have dream teamers doing what paid people could do, they're not only saving budget for other uses, they're, they're all in. So they're probably tithing or getting over and above. So that's why we've got a lot more mileage out of developing people who can develop dream team than trying to see if we could. And we actually experimented this during my tenure where we said, hey, if we hire, if we hire these younger staff and we pay them a little less because they don't need as much, they don't have a family, and see what happens. That didn't work out well for us. We learned it the hard way. Um, but hiring people who are highly capable and paying them what's fair. I mean, we're not ever going to match marketplace. And uh, I think in our vernacular, okay, and then we're, until, you, until you have your building paid for, <laughs> you're probably not going to match marketplace. So, um, but I think that's just part of corporate the America. Yeah. That's just, part of, that's just part of the journey, though, mm-hmm. and the, as you grow as a, a conversation. Different people are going to do, you know, some people pay off their billing quicker than others, depending on how they, how they finance it. Mm-hmm. I'll quote Chris Hodges. He says, I work them twice as, I work my staff twice as hard as other staff work, and I pay them one and a half times what other staff get paid. I, I work them twice as hard as most staff works. I pay them 1.5. So he pays them well, but they work, they work hard. I, that's not me. That's Chris Hodges, but I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> if you can pull it off. <laughs> if you can pull it off. <laughs> I have a question to segue on to that. Uh, so 18 months in right now, and the uh, church is getting to grow a little bit. Awesome. So uh, budget can be adjusted, you know, uh, you know, three months, six months, something like that, for sure, every, every year. Um, so we come up with maybe, let's just say, $30,000 in budget to hire someone. Uh, is it better to pay three people a stipend to have them take ownership of three different areas, a little bit more than they are right now as a volunteer, or would you hire one person and work them uh, and let them be able to more than one thing? There's no right or wrong answer, but if you can, if you can find three capable people or two people that are part-time and they can keep their job in the marketplace, so you, you're, pay, you're giving them some income, then that gives you chance and them a chance too. To kind of see what this feels like, because a lot of people they want, they think, man, it'd be awesome to work on staff, because man, we'd be like, you know, just loving each other and praying and worshiping all day, and you know, we're gonna just like, it's gonna be like every day like youth camp, just like wow, it's gonna be really awesome. We're floating around like angels and eat, you know, and and it is awesome working on staff, but it's like another level of spiritual warfare. And then sometimes people are jealous of you. Well, how, who do they think you think you are? You got now you're on paid staff, and like we used to be like peers, and now you're like my leader, and you know that weird stuff. And they have to be able to deal with that, and so it gives them a safe place without totally quitting their job, you know. And you're hiring them in house, right? And so you're paying them a part time income and blessing them because they're working hard. And it gives you a chance and them a chance to see what that feels like in that role, and even the spiritual side of it. And then, and, and, hey, let's do this for 90 days or put it, let's do this for six months and we're going to come back and evaluate. So wh- how are you feeling? Man, I, I mean, I like doing it, but I don't want to quit my job. And so I'd rather you hire somebody full time than me quit my job and come on staff. And then you haven't lost anybody. That's so hard, man, when you bring somebody on staff in-house that you love, they got saved and baptized in the church. 
and then they come on staff, and it's nothing what they thought it was going to be, and they start getting criticism, and the, you know, and their or their spouse is like, "We well, are the church all the time now." It's like you know, and and then you just you have a, a casualty. Oh, it's so painful, you know, and it's mm-hmm. just because you you know they weren't ready for it. You don't really know. So if you have the the ability to bring them a part time first, then it gives everybody a chance to kind of see what that feels like, and then if it's if it's going well. God will show you and then bring them on full time. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're not hiring them to do the job. Right. You're hiring them to raise up teams. Yeah. That's good. Um, kind of tagging on to what he asked, um, do you find it beneficial to bring in the spouse as well so they know what you're getting? So you can just take one. You interview the spouse. Yeah. You, you get, you know, there's a, we're right in the middle of hiring, <laughs> a, ironically, uh, interviewing for a, a production person. Uh, to oversee sound and lights and all the production side of the church. And uh, he, his wife was supposed to come in this past weekend. Was it this past weekend? Yeah. yeah his wife, was, he came in. It was amazing. Uh, references check out. The dream team loved him. We had a wonderful interview. We're going, man, we could offer him a job right now. This guy's, you know, he's ready. But we're like, you know what? His wife couldn't make it. The last minute, she, for some reason, she couldn't make it. It's worth taking our time and bringing him in one more time with his, with his wife. So now we're just trying to find a good date to bring him and his wife in. Like, we get an email this morning saying his wife changed her mind. She doesn't want to relocate to our state. But even if We could have offered him a job, and he probably would have taken or I don't know if he'd taken it, but... Indications are, so I don't know if they answered your question. Do you, and so, so also, along with that, your staff people, do you take their wives on your retreats and to these conferences? And- mm-hmm. So we have a staff retreat once a year, and we invite all the spouses to come. And there's a small fee. You know, they have to invest a little bit. It's not very much. but And we try to go someplace fun. We've gone to the beach. We've gone to the mountains. We've gone to places that they would probably go on vacation. And so, and we don't pack the whole schedule with meetings. We allow large chunks of free time and, and, um, and we have fun. And we pay for a lot of stuff and they, they might pay for a little bit of their own stuff. But um, that's and, real important. And they don't have to go to all the sessions. They don't but have to there, go to all the there sessions. There are certain ones that we say we want the spouses at these sessions. And then the but they're invited to all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but we 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 value the spouse, and that's so healthy. And we just had our staff retreat in August, and the spouses that came, I know, tremendously benefited from it. And they hear the why behind the what, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and like, they can even bring their kids if they want, but their kids don't come into the sessions. But yeah, I mean, some of them will bring a nanny, and I mean, they get their own room. You know, that's kind of they take care of that, but they can do it. We'll help organize it for them and stuff. And so even on staff, we refer to them. It's like Nate and Cindy, you know, um, and Brian and Carly, <laughs> Matt and Martha. Yeah, who else is on staff? Um, you know, but we always refer, like, and, and even if the spouse is very behind the scenes, they don't, and we tell this to the spouses when we interview them, we're not, we're not two for the price of one. You know, we want you to serve in your gifting, but we will ask you to do what we ask our church members to do, and that's to attend a service on the weekend, to be in a connect group or small group, and to serve on a ministry team. So those are our expectations. We used to kind of be like soft on the expectations, and then they'd get there, not soft, but not clear. Right. And then we're like, why aren't they serving on, why aren't they attending on a Sunday? What? Yeah. And so now when we interview them, and we interview the spouse, we're very, you know, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about them? Come on, what questions do you have? And then, but we're like, these are expectations of you. You don't have to lead. You don't have to do, you don't, you don't even have to serve in their ministry or whatever. But these are the things you do have to do. Yeah. Well, as far as what part of 
The only people that we wouldn't require that is like if you're what we call a contractor, contract type work. Because well, like if you lived out of state or you didn't, went to another church, you could we contract different positions that, like, uh, the IT person, he doesn't go to our church, right? Yeah, so contract work and stuff like that. But if you're a part of the church family and you're on staff, you get paid and you're a member of our church, then we expect you to do that. Yeah. Just do what a church member does. <laughs> what we expect them. Yes. What is your guys' youth leader hiring look like? Because typically when you hire for finances, a person has come from a financial background and like uh, you hire for some type of coordinator, like it's because they get to be coordinated, right? But like for a youth leader, typically they, you, they're younger, right? And so like maybe the turnover might be a little bit more. What size church are you, and what? How old is the church? Okay. And it, when you're looking for a youth minister, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I just wanted to see what your guys' uh, experiences has been. Okay, here's what's hilarious. I'll say this. <laughs> Should I turn this off? But anyway, no. We were in youth ministry, and the one position we have rolled through through the years is youth ministry. <laughs> I don't know if it's because we were we were youth ministers and we knew what to expect and they couldn't pull the wool. I don't know why, but that's the one position. But um, our last our last youth pastor was with us for four years. Yeah, and. Yeah, yes, that's right. pretty funny. They all want to go start churches. He wants to go start a church. He wants to go start a church, and so he's in that in that pipeline. The one um, before him, Scott Randland, he went and started a church. You know, that's kind of... We've raised pastors. up a lot of church planters through our youth yes. ministry. <laughs> we really have. Two have planted churches, and one is planning on starting a church. So that's three church planters, plus a campus pastor for Craig Rochelle. So pretty good track record. Yeah. But um, And doing well, by the way. These, these churches are, are, are doing really well. Uh, a lot of times guys are losing their passion for youth ministry, but they've got a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. So they're attracted to a church like mm-hmm. ours, but they probably got a good three to four year run left in them before they're going to, you know, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to answer your question, um, man, I really think that. I mean, you can go about it a couple of different ways. Let's say you have somebody that's older, because I heard the age thing come up. You can have somebody that's older, but they're, but they're working. They've got a team of young people around them, college age, you know, that just that get the culture. And, and they're right, building teams. They're helping raise up these leaders, you know, for students. Because, I mean, like, I, lo- I mean, I work with our C3 college. I love college, you know. But I've got some, I've got some younger people around me that help with that, you know, um, because there's just certain things about their culture I'm not going to get, or I do, or I just think it, you know what I mean? So, so even in youth ministry, you can do the same thing, you know, but you just, if you're older, you just surround, you just make sure you got some young leaders around you, you know, that are carrying the fun weight, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Or, um, but our youth pastor right now, he was, he worked under the other guy, you know, so he was kind of the assistant, and now he stepped in. And he's grown it. up in the church. Yeah, and he grew up in the church. So it's fluid. Like, they wouldn't miss a beat. In, in fact, if anything, it's gone to another level. Right, but I'm a Because he has the DNA yeah. in him, and, and the other guy was incredible, but he came from the outside in. And, uh, you know, probably never quite completely clicked with our culture, you know? So that's why when we're interviewing, we're trying to hold each other accountable. Let's make sure they, they're familiar with their, they've been in some kind of relationship with art churches. Mm-hmm. Because we just do better with hiring people that understand the arc. Because it's, that's who we are, you know? Mm-hmm. So, But like our, our youth pastor, I'm a supervisor. So where he's weak right now, it's not in building relationships with the kids. Oh my goodness, they love him and he's awesome. It's in, it's in leading his leaders, you know, and kind of ca- like... He's, there's a little bit of a chaos mess because just he tried to give his leaders a little bit too much freedom and didn't really give them the boundaries real strong. He was a little bit more, and if you know, 
you say, these are the boundaries, but do what you want to within the boundaries. You know, there's freedom. So, you know, so I'm just working with them on that and, you know, help them with that. So if they're young, they just need somebody that's going to help them through the leadership part. Did that answer your question at all? You know? And I think our time might be up. I don't know. Right? No, it is. 406. So. So let me, uh, let's pray. Can we do that? Then we'll be here. Nate and Cindy are here. And we'll stay and answer questions, but then you guys can go if you need to. And Lord, we just come to you right now. Lord, I just lift up every single amazing leader here in this session. And God, this is such a tough issue, Lord, just trying to make sure we put the right team around us. And so I just pray, Lord, for uh, Holy Spirit wisdom for every person here, God. Uh, Lord, as we just we want to be a part of building your church mm-hmm. and, and, and making a difference in our community. So, God, I pray that uh, that you would give us wisdom. God, give us the process and the procedures to onboard and to train and equip. And Lord, let us be reminded, uh, Lord, it's your church. Mm-hmm. And you say, upon this rock, I will build my church. Mm-hmm. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So God, we hold on to that promise. Mm-hmm. God, you are building your church. So Lord, as we focus on building our people and building disciples, mm-hmm. Lord, you promise you're going to build the church. So God, bless every person here. Bless every pastor, every leader. Mm-hmm every church planner. I pray, Lord, that you would just encourage them right now as we go home from this conference. Mm-hmm. God, that they would feel revived and encouraged, Lord. And we just bind the enemy in Jesus' name from trying to attack their thinking, attacking their family or their children. And Lord, I just pray a protection over them. Mm-hmm. And I pray that you provide everything that they need to fulfill the vision that you've given to them. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed this session from the ARC Conference. Our heart is that you are more encouraged and excited about your calling than ever before. For dates and locations, and to register for an upcoming ARC Conference, visit artconference.com.